Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Business of Film. This is episode number 67. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you are listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. This week, I am excited to announce a new collaboration and initiative that we've got going with Creative Live. Uh, for those of you that don't know uh, what Creative Live is or what they're all about, they are an educational platform. They do some pretty awesome stuff online in a bunch of different verticals, uh, photography, art, uh, and now a new vertical there film channel. So we have with us today uh, the, uh, I guess, the, the director of, of their film channel. Uh, his name is Rob Malazzo. Uh, Rob is here to discuss all the cool things that Creative Live is doing when it comes to film education. And of course, uh, this, uh, this wouldn't be a crafttruck.com podcast if we weren't giving away some free shit, which I'm excited to do. Rob and the folks at Creative Live have graciously agreed uh, to give us uh, and to give out, uh, I guess, uh, uh, some snippets from some of their uh, online uh, Creative Live programming that they've done. We talk about that in the show, but you can check out all the free and cool giveaways that are uh, related to this episode at crafttruck.com forward slash BOF67. And so let's just jump into it right now uh, with Rob Malazzo from Creative Live. But wait, there's more. I almost forgot to say, and this is actually kind of important. There are no affiliate links with respect to Craft Trucks uh, partnership with Creative Live. So just so you know, everything that we are putting out is um, is free to you, our listeners, and there is no, I guess, monetary upside uh, for us. But I do very much believe in the Creative Live platform. I believe in their brand. I believe in everything that they're doing. Uh, so I do feel that this uh, that this episode in particular not only offers some pretty cool insights into their film channel uh, and what they're all about, but also, uh, and I think this will come come through with uh, everything that Rob says, these guys are passionate about film education, uh, and that's totally cool. So uh, here we go once more with episode number 67. So away we go. This is uh, this is pretty cool. I uh, I, I got to tell you, this is awesome. When you guys reached out to us, uh, I was pretty stoked because you guys have an amazing brand, uh, Creative Live. Uh, it's it's awesome. So this is, I guess, the first of what will be, I hope, uh, a long collaboration that Craft Truck has with Creative Live. And uh, Rob, uh, I'd love to introduce you to uh, to our audience. Uh, Rob, maybe you can just take uh, a little bit of a a moment and tell our audience uh, who. You you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. It's it's uh, exciting uh, to talk more about film education and information. Um, and it's it's funny because I think film edu- film education always mirrors sort of what's going on in the film world. Um, and as terrestrial film watching is changing, it seems like film education is changing with it. Uh, but that said, I um, I'm the head of the film channel. Here at Creative Live, uh, based in San Francisco, Creative Live essentially is an online learning platform, and within the platform we have different channels. Uh, essentially, the channels are like departments within a university. So we have uh, a design channel, and a photo channel, and a craft channel, um, and a money and life channel, and an audio channel. And I was hired um, to start the film channel. Uh, my background is in filmmaking uh, as a filmmaker and a film instructor, and I've sort of recently become a film architect where uh, I've been building programs uh, of film information and education. And Creative Live, we started uh, within this calendar year, January 2015, 
was our first class. Uh, it was a producing class with Michael Gottwald. Michael was one of the producers on Beasts of the Southern Wild. And he taught a uh, producing class, an indie grassroots producing class. So that's kind of the miniature model. We bring in um, industry professionals and professional teachers. So, you know, the the secret, not so secret, is you don't have to be a traditional teacher to teach for us, uh, which I think is exciting Mm -hmm. uh, for students because I think, you know, the idea that I always tell my students you don't have to be in a school to be a student. And, And the corollary to that is you don't have to be a kind of a, a professional teacher to teach you sort of need an informed viewpoint and a willingness to say uh, what's on your mind and, and a generosity uh, to impart that so mm-hmm. that's kind of what education is and now more than ever it's online frankly it's a lot of if you just looking at the business of education aside from film a lot of big online platforms are being bought and sold really quickly for large sums of money so it just you know aside from the capitalism of it, the trend is that people are learning through their computer. And, yeah. you know, that's sort of where, where we jump in, I guess. Yeah, and I definitely want to uh, I want to get into all of that. But before we do, uh, it's my understanding that you actually came to Creative Life from a film background itself as well, So, uh, it, it, which is kind of cool because some people will come to, I guess, the sort of business development that you're doing on behalf of Creative Live, not necessarily knowing what it's like to uh, to be in the trenches. But but you've, you've been in the trenches, is that correct? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, when I was, uh, while you were asking that, I was thinking about when I was a college student. And I think, you know, what happens, it seems like in life, uh, we, we, you know, certain decisions are reactive as much as they are active. I used to sit in college classes and think, damn, I could teach. Or if I taught, this is what I would do and what I wouldn't do. So to go back to the artistic trenches, I, uh, when, when I left university, when I graduated, uh, I started as an assistant on sets, sort of a director's assistant. I've worked with David Mamet and Mike Nichols and Sidney Lumet and, you know, learning from them. That was sort of my school and that kind of... All right, hold Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you you just you just threw down like three of the, <laughs> the biggest directors and influencers uh, in maybe the history of cinema. So before we talk about Creative Live, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 get back to Creative Live and what you do in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, uh, I no, want I, I want to know I want to know what you did for David Mamet. Well. Uh, well, I'll look at it in an abstract way, then a literal way. I, I when I left university, no, I went, no, 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 no. I, I want a literal learn. way, literal, literal, From, literal. <laughs> I, I mean, I can only, I can only disclose so much. But I was his assistant on sets. Um, for about two years, and that was everything from uh, you know the practical to the impractical to the you know hey do you think this is funny to the uh, have you read this book I mean Dave was really and is I uh, really generous intellectually and artistically so I, I was there you know while that was going on for a few movies and uh, which also, uh, which movies if you don't mind my uh, state in Maine oh, um, brilliant oh. which is yeah which is his Preston Sturges film and um, I also 
witnessed a lot of other development he was doing. At the time, it was Hannibal. He, he was the original screenwriter on Hannibal, the Ridley Scott-directed film. Uh, and just, you know, at that time, it was like faxes. To see the faxes that Ridley Scott and, and Dave would exchange was, I mean, that was better than any 12-week. Uh, oh, that, was, that must have just been golden. Like, j- yeah. th- that is just priceless. So, so what did you yeah. learn from him? Like, what were yeah. your takeaways? You know what I learned? I think film is as much about... The, the act of making a film is, has as many human elements as it does artistic elements, arguably more. And, and you know, the example I, I would use is Dave knew everyone's name on the set, everyone. Um, and he was active in that engagement. He was an active social engager. Um, so I think being on a set, you know, I mean, there are different stages of what I learned, but these of you learning, you know, what a filmmaker does. And that's another thing I learned from Dave. Dave would tell me, you know, he's like, they're always looking at the director, whether the director knows what he or she is doing or not, they're always looking at you. And that's, I think that's an important lesson that the director is, is a kind of de facto leader. So that, I mean, look, I could go on and uh, for, uh, for days and tell you what I learned, but those were some of the things that really popped up to me, frankly, as it relates to education, because I think, not to get back to Creative Live or not, but, you know, teachers are leaders, and Mamet, it's funny, Mamet always decried education, but to me, he was my greatest teacher. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, so it's weird, that's the thing, you know, you don't have to be in a school to teach either, so I think these definitions are being rewritten, so Mamet and, my, and Mike Nichols... Um, and Sidney Lumet, yeah, again, that was kind of a holy trinity for me. And it, it was as cool for me as it sounds. I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to sound banal about it. I was geeked, and I'm still really honored that I was there. But, um, you know, and you know this as well as I, when you, to be a filmmaker, you have to make a film. I mean, you know, you, could, you, you can work with Moses as he parts the Red Sea, but you're always Moses' assistant, unless you do it yourself, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think what I learned from Dave and Mike and Sydney, it's like there's the apprentice to the master, and then there's the path to being what you want to be. So Dave was as encouraging as you not working for him as he was for you. With, he wanted you to work for him as much as he didn't, because he, he knew that you have to be the apprentice, but you also have to leave and and seek the path. So yeah, I, I, at, yeah, at some point you, you got to pick it up and, and run with it yourself for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that was a fun chapter and I, I referenced it a lot because I did learn a lot. And, and one last thing I, I learned just to button it up, you know, I, when I first worked with Dave and I went to a good university, so I, I wasn't an idiot per se, but I, Dave inspired me to be more, more intelligent. I know that's, sounds a little bourgeois but it's you know i remember when i first worked for him i would carry a dictionary around and and a book of uh, references just to understand a lot of the references he was making but it wasn't intelligence and this is another thing that connects to education it wasn't intelligence that alienates it's it's intelligence that unites and i think that's what the best education is and you know as well as i i mean there's a lot of film snobbery in the world and there's a lot of educational snobbery in the world and i i hate both types of snobbery so i think educationally and artistically i've sought to democratize how we learn and from whom we learn it and i do think creative live does that really well uh, and and i'm excited about that so so how did you jump from i guess uh your time uh, i guess in production to being hired at creative live and what was the impetus yeah. for creative live to bring you on in that position that is to actually start 
a, a yeah, film yeah, I, channel. I think the, the middle act was, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I think the middle, uh, the, the transitional piece, which, which um, for me was when I started my own school um, called the Modern School of Film. And, and that was after years of teaching for other people and feeling really unsatisfied with academic, the, the sort of red tape and all the left turns uh, that you, you take as a teacher in a school, you know, and, and this is another discussion for another day. So I decided to start my own small school imprint. So that's answer one. Answer two is within the small school imprint, I, I wanted, we were teaching, one of the classes we were teaching were, was a film studies class, you know, more or less every film school teaches. But I wanted to teach film studies differently. I, I didn't want to teach, oh, 1895, oh, the Lumieres, oh, Edison, oh, Melies. I wanted to hear how other people viewed cinema studies. So what I did is, I was in New York at the time, and I invited all these sort of well-known public figures to come in and choose their favorite pioneer in cinema and talk about why that cinema pioneer was relevant to them. And it started off pretty modestly. I, I reached out to some uh, movie, movie reviewers from The Times and some local you know, mm -hmm. some folks from IndieWire, like Eric Cohen was one of the first guests in my film studies class. And then I thought, what the hell? Why don't I reach out to filmmakers? And through a friend of a friend, I reached out to Abel Ferrara, whom I didn't really know at the time. And Abel said, oh, yeah, I'll do it. So he came in and talked about F.W. Murnau. And then I thought, that's interesting. Let me, let me throw the net a little wider. So I emailed, I was emailing people like Vim Vendors and like Thelma Schoolmaker and Ang Lee and Gaspar Noah and Wolo. And they all said yes. They all came into my film studies class, uh, Paul Schrader, um, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, and they all came in and they talked about the movies they loved. They, they talked about the movies that turned them on. Occasionally, they talked about their movies. We had Christopher Guest talk about Waiting for Guffman, and we had Jean-Pierre Jeunet talk about The City of Lost Children. Anyway, long story short, I started this master class series in New York, and that extended from filmmakers into musicians. So I was asking musicians what films they like, and I was asking cultural figures what films they like. We did a, a master class with Anthony Bourdain, and he talked about Goodfellas. So this... All the trigonometry essentially led me to realize that or reaffirm that this idea of a school is intangible. It's not tangible. I mean, it's nice to have a key and an office and a lock on the door, but it's really intangible. Um, so that led me to look into other forms of education more deeply. I was in Los Angeles at the time, to, to, to end your question, I was in Los Angeles at the time doing my screening series in, in Hollywood, um, and I saw that Creative Live had started. A Creative Live was here two years before I got here. So, uh, oh, sorry, a little over two years before I got here. And they, I, it, it seemed they, were, they had an impetus to start a film channel amongst the collection of their other channels. And I thought, this would be really interesting. So we spoke, and a couple of trips up to San Francisco later, uh, here I am, and, and the film channel is is switched on. So that's kind of the answer. So uh, the the film channel itself, I mean, first of all, before we actually talk about the the, the details of, of what the film channel, what you, you, you want to accomplish from the film channel, it, it's like any other creative live programming uh, offer, which is anybody can watch the stuff uh, or the, the speakers on Creative Live 
live, quote-unquote. It's free to the world. But like anything else that has to be monetized on the Internet, if somebody wants to look in the back catalog while it's not live, then they can pay whatever it is, 30 bucks or 40 bucks, however much it is for uh, looking at any individual course or speaker or series. Is that, do, do, I, do I have that about right? Yeah, that's essentially the silhouette. I mean, I, yeah. to, 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 if I look at the nuances... Uh, for I think some of the nuances, and again, you know this as well as I, it's like when I think of film education online or the common wisdom of film education online is a five-minute YouTube tutorial on how to put a dissolve in your timeline. You know, I mean, film educa- online film education is definitely in competition with the YouTubes and, 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 and those kind of tutorials and also the ubiquity of dialogue. I mean, if, if I wanted to uh, find an interview with, um, oh, I don't know, with uh, Werner Herzog, uh, I could go to YouTube and type that in and I could find many interviews. So when, when you and I were young, you couldn't, but now you can't. So what is Creative Live doing differently? Well, Creative Live, what I think is doing differently is this is essentially a course. This is not how to grab a razor tool and make a cut on your timeline. This is deep diving into craft and technique and form. To me, it's like owning the best film manual you could ever own, depending on the topic. Now, are, are you planning on like do creating these vertical segments on uh, Creative Life film channel? Like, is there going to be a bunch of producers talking about film, or a bunch of distributors talking about film, or is the whole thing supposed to be one integrated grand master sort of? course for lack of a better word it's one it's one channel or one vertical uh, to use your word which is the correct word and within vertical there's sub sub verticals of based on topics so let's say you came to creative live and wanted to learn film producing you would see different producing classes but based on subject matter um so let's say producing a web series that's a class producing an indie film that's a class okay so it's still it's still topical it's, it's different speakers but exactly. it's, still, it's still by topic yeah. so if someone wants to learn a topic they can come to creative live and learn that specific topic uh, as it relates to film exactly as, as i again i use the metaphor uh, the terrestrial analog metaphor it's like a department of a, of a university you know you go to the film studies department and you could take italian study italian film or you could take french new wave you know here you come to us and if you want to take uh, a course on how to use a drone to shoot uh, your short film, you could do that. So everything is topical and bucketed uh, specifically. Um, and no two classes are the same. No two classes are the same. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, so, so tell me, like, just uh, just from a from from a purely, um, and, and this is kind of a more of an, of an analytics question, but I, I do, I mean, to the extent that you're you're free to talk about this stuff, but I, I find this really interesting, which is, you know, how how do you see the marketplace for the consumption of this kind of information right now? And uh, let me give you a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, I guess a background on why I'm asking that question. When you go online and you, and as you say, you can find pretty much anything that you want anytime you want it. And with the cost of entry being so low into just being able to make and do whatever you want in the film world, my 
question around, I guess, the integration between where Creative Live sits and the differences between that and, say, just going on to YouTube and how much desire there is for, I guess, this the, the new young filmmaking community to, to come up and want to find this stuff. Like, like how much... How much data can you give us on who's out there looking for this stuff, why they want to find it, why they're coming to Creative Live to find it? I, I can give you some anthropological data, which is, <laughs> which is unofficial and is, is not n- numeric. And, and what I mean is this. I think Creative Live is a kind of, um, it's, a, it's a totem uh, that sits in reaction to or in the light of the university space, not the YouTube space, in the sense that... Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's you, interesting. Yeah, yeah, go you, ahead. You know, and, and so I, let me... And I'll, I'll paint a couple of different social studies like uh, maps for you. Um, if you're living in a part of the United States that maybe isn't, and, and let's say economically you don't, you, you can't go to university, or just emotionally you don't want to go to university, uh, you know, and the equivalent, the 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 antidote or the answer to that could be the best cinematography course with the most details that you can accrue, and that's not a YouTube tutorial. That's not a YouTube tutorial. So there is. Uh, there are there's a great deal of of hunger for for um, patterned uh, cause and effect Gestaltian learning, a la a university without going to the university. Now it used to be continuing. It, it still takes the form of continuing education. Like, we're, we're not in competition with YouTube. I completely understand your point. We're our users, our students are those people who are those minds who want a continuing community of thought and a continual dialogue of information um, and, and frankly along those lines pay a nominal amount for a really robust return that's answer. That's thought one another thought I would, would uh, offer up in the question is I've done a lot of teaching overseas um, I, I've, I say very with great humility. I've, I've seen the world through film education, I've, and it's one of the great gifts of film education being able to do it in other countries. There's no greater worth in American film education as there is overseas. The, the, the students are so hungry for as much context, point of view, left brain and right brain data on. How how films are made or how they're distributed or how they're kickstarted. So I do think there's also a market overseas for US based deep deep diving deep 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 deeply thought deep, deeply chiseled education that's not apparent when you go on the online, you know, now. I in the sense that I, I know it. I, I I think some of the greatest centers of worth for film education are places like South America and, and you know, India and, and uh, the Asia and the Far East. I, I get emails, I get more emails from students beyond the borders of the U.S. than I do within the U.S. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can just tell you, like, a large, uh, a large percentage of our audience uh, comes from outside uh, North America. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the largest is, of course, Canada and 
the United States, but that kind of goes without saying, just in terms of that's kind of the hub for this sort of stuff. But, you know, uh, in, in order, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, in, in order, it's kind of like, I don't know, Canada, well, not not really in order, but like the top three, the U.S., Canada, the U.K., but outside of that, a huge percentage of the people that just come to visit our site, that check out, uh, you know, and enjoy this podcast are from other centers all around the world. So I definitely am tuned into what you're saying about the need and desire for people to, to want to have this yeah. kind of information. There's no question. I, yeah. I will also say this, and... and- I think I think I may have buried the lead on your answer. Um, I, I also think with online education, with the YouTube tutorial of it all, which I love, and I don't begrudge that or bemoan it. I use it in my work because uh, it can be really handy depending on where you are. However, I think there's de- we're definitely living in a time, and you know better than I as well as I, you know that the tail whack can wag the dog a little bit with film crafts. And it can be, you know, just tell me what camera I need and I'll do the rest. And I think our constituency, um, our, our, our students want what I call left brain, right brain. They want technology with an informed artistic point of view behind it. So just to go backwards a little bit to another question you asked, what I've done strategically thus far is I want to bring in instructors who are in a way more top-heavy in terms of the artistic point of view piece. Because I do think technological uh, um, tutorials are, are ubiquitous. Or even more, I mean, they're beyond beyond, you know, and 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 that's great and that's fine. I'll give you an example, you know. So well, when well, I, actually, yeah. it's interesting. Just, just I, I, I want to hear Please. that example, but but certainly just but before you tell that, what you said just kind of triggered something in my mind, which is the that technical ubiquity that you can find to a certain extent in the YouTube verse doesn't really transfer to any of that. And I'm going to use the word that you use, which is that anthropological or more uh, ephemeral type of information that you get from just listening to great people talk in depth in their specific topic. Like you're never going to find uh, a distributor giving away the you know the secrets of distribution on uh, a YouTube channel. You just won't because this stuff is you know it's like black bag black ops type of yeah. information. Like that, you don't you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason why. That's the whole reason I do this podcast. Is like there is a there's like a secret ninja craft to trying to get people to just spill the beans on some of this stuff, and it's just it's impossible. I think you know people in our business, and you know they can be too ter- territorial, and we could think we're hiding government secrets, and I, that's not my ethos, and that's not you know. I'll give you an example. You're right on. You know, we we did a course uh, not too long ago with Jim Deneau, who's a he's really respected cinematographer where he shoots with Jay Roach and he shot with Stephen Frears and uh, he shot some of Silicon Valley with Mike Judge and all that stuff. And he also shot Boys Don't Cry um, and Raising Victor Vargas. And what he did in our class was he showed the students how to he shoots coverage, but also as part of the class, he availed the, the, uh, the equipment list he used on Boys Don't Cry. And Jim said, this is what I want to do. And I was like, I was stunned. I thought to get a cinematographer to show you the gear he used on a movie, it was nothing to Jim because Jim is a great soul. Like he cares and it was nothing. But I thought this is, you don't get this 
everywhere, and and it's really important information. So. Uh, this is not a trivial pursuit for me. I mean, I think asking a professional to come in for three hours or six hours, and as you say, you know, open up the kind of sacred scroll, that is valuable. The gesture is valuable, and it's different than YouTube. Again, I'm not trying to – I am in no way begrudging. I think the YouTube generation of going and learning a quick tool or command is great, but I do think – it's left brain, right brain. I, I, and you know, it's like filmmaking. What does that word even mean? To me, it, it, it means, you know, I'll go back to Mike, and, Mike Nichols and Dave Mammon and Mouet, and you asked me, what did I learn? I learned that there's sort of no map, you know? I mean, they're so, those three artists are so different. So I learned three different approaches to filmmaking, and from that, I synthesize what I use. So that's really what we do. I mean, YouTube is not a comparison model as much as long-form education is. I mean, this goes back to another point you were making. You know, we have two producing classes. So they truly compare up against one another, but it's hard to com- – like tutorials, it, there's no worth in comp- comparing a tutorial. I, I know we all have our favorite YouTube teachers or tutorials, and some do better than others, but I think in terms of long form, long form education, you truly see like, – it, it's like you take the piece of taffy – it's like taking a piece of taffy and stretching it as far as you can. And when you truly stretch it out, you see what's in the toffee. You can almost see the sugar. You know, you can almost see the chemical in the toffee. Well, yeah, the, there's this interesting thing that kind of happens when you get into the, the, the long-form sort of education because it, it kind of comes down to, to a certain extent, just attention span and when you do the long form education, you, you really have to have the willingness to, to sit there and, and watch it and be engaged and interested in it enough to want to spend uh, over ten minutes doing that. And you know, in, in ten minutes may be generous because obviously the average video on YouTube, I th- actually I think might actually be a little bit longer than that right now on YouTube. Might be closer to fifteen, but I think that's the high end for like average yeah, yeah. high end attention span on YouTube. But that's the generation. So if you're going to any of the the informational types of uh, programming that you have on your film channel vertical what is the average length of these things the average length i think from a film standpoint and and we're always um we're always uh experimenting with best fit uh would be anything from an hour and a half to let's say uh an hour and a half segment we are set any class is divided into segments, so, uh, but a class may only have one segment. So if we think of it this way, one segment equals an hour and a half of learning, and classes will stack segments based on the content and based on the instructor, and as you suggest, based on the bandwidth of the topic itself. Uh, you know, it's funny, if I, if I flipped on YouTube and I saw David Fincher turn to, into the camera and say, here's how I set up a dolly shot. And let's say he did that in 10 minutes' time. You know, it border, it, 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 I'm sure it'd be incredibly valuable. It borders a little bit on infomercial. You know, and so I, I do think the idea of the definition of what is a class is still something we rely on. You know, what is a class? What is a course? What is the value? And also, if you buy a five-hour course, you can watch it. You own it. So you can, you know, watch an hour a day. You know, it, it, it's sort of your yours to 
to reference and, and you can flip ahead, flip back. It's really, and we also on other channels, not film yet because we're the new, one of the newest channels. We do, we offer what we call boot camps and boot camps have different temporal realities. You do a little bit on one day, a little bit on another day, a little bit on another day. So you, your, your questions highlight the fact that one of the biggest protagonists of education or antagonists is time. It, and and it, it's also, you know, when you're in university, when you're picking out your courses, you're thinking, do I want a, a class Monday at 1 p.m.? You're always thinking about time, always thinking about time. So we think about time very carefully, uh, but also we rely on, we trust our audiences in the sense of they want information. Um, we've never been criticized for not giving enough information. Now, uh, you also have, a, have, a, have an elegance to your presentations. I mean, they're, they're, they're all films on location, I guess that you're off studios, I'm assuming, because they all have the same backdrop and the professionalism with the way that they're shot and put together. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming just, just by looking at some of the stuff that's available online that it's, it's your studio, people come to your studio and they film it all there and it's packaged in your office in that kind of, with that nice, beautiful veneer. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. Um, we we also have a small, a very modest and loyal number of film students or students who who are in the class. So the class is the instructor is teaching two students in the class, and we're shooting that experience with two cameras or three cameras, depending. And then we give it to our post production. So we literally. You know we're producing content, and and you know we, the the company is architected in that way. We have a post production division, and you know everything is in coordination to one another. And um, you know film, uh, which I think is the brightest idea here because I'm, I paid to, and I really do believe it. I, I mean, I think film education again. I think it's just to go back to a little of the pedagogy. I think I think it is mirroring how we devour films now. And I think there's more of an agnosticism to how we see movies. And I, I watch movies in the cinema all the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. And, and I, do, I do classes in cinemas. My film master's class that I do now is in a cinema. So I love cinema. But I also think, you know, I'm not 20 years old anymore. And I'm not a film student anymore. So, although I'm always a film student. But I, I think, you know... The old expression, if you can't bring Muhammad to the mountain, you bring the mountain to Muhammad. So I think film education now is bringing the mountain to Muhammad, and I think it's working. It's working. That's awesome. And, and so just uh, because I want to be able to offer those people who are listening to this some some goodies and some things that they can look forward to, uh, you have been kind enough to forward us, uh, I guess, just a, a few things that we're going to be able to share uh, with our audience. Do you mind if, if I kind of talk about some of those things here right now? Not at all, my friend. Fantastic, because I was going to talk about that, them anyway, so I, 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 hope that, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're on board with this. Well, first off, there, there's two... Uh, or, or there's two classes that are coming up uh, that I want to highlight that will be out just following when this podcast goes live. So we are recording this podcast, uh, to, uh, which uh, we are recording this podcast on uh, the 13th of May, and uh, coming up in the Creative Live, uh, I guess this sorry th this podcast will go live on the 19th, and then on May 20th. So if you're listening to this right away, uh, there is a modern film composing uh, seminar which you can watch free. 
at 9 a.m. and that's with the Blair Brothers. Uh, and uh, yeah, I checked out. Uh, there, there'll be a link to that on our on our podcast page for this, which is uh, going to be episode number 67. So if you go to crafttruck.com forward slash 67, you'll see a link to check out the modern film composing. Uh, uh, I guess tutorial or educational class with the Blair Brothers. And uh, they do awesome stuff. You should check them out. It's going to be absolutely free if you are there watching it live. And then the following week, May 27th, a personal favorite of mine, Emily Best. We've had Emily on the show. You can check her out on the Business of Film podcast as well um, if you want to just get a little precursor on who Emily is and what she does. But she is one of the modern-day gurus on uh, crowdfunding. Uh, her tutorial is going to be crowdfunding your film, and she runs Seed and Spark, and you can check that class out May 27th at 9 a.m. Uh, sorry, is that nine, sorry, that, that, that's 9 a.m. Pacific, Pacific time, right? Correct. Yeah, 9, 9 a.m. Pacific. So uh, those are two of the, your most recent upcoming classes that you guys can check out for free. And I hope you do because they're, they're awesome classes. And then you also sent us a few links to some videos, which are really awesome. And we're going to put up all these videos on our website, which you, can, which you can also check out absolutely free. Each one of these videos is about 10 minutes long. and I've watched them all, and they're awesome. Uh, the first one is called uh, Pick the Perfect Camera for Your Movie. And that one was by Jim Deneau, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, that, that one's really cool. So if, if you go to, again, crafttrack.com forward slash uh, BOF67, you're going to get these three movies for free, which Rob is uh, has graciously uh, allowed us to put on uh, our website. So you get Pick the Perfect Camera for Your Movie. You will also get Making Movies with uh, Alana Douglas, uh, a seminar that she calls the Roulette Wheel of Insanity. By the way, Alana is absolutely hysterical. She is so funny on that and she has so many interesting things to say uh and then finally you will also get this third uh video which is about seven minutes long uh which is called film production and it is who is the producer and what do they do and who did that one again rob that that one was done by i forget his name that one uh, michael that was michael gottwald uh, one of the producers of the beasts of the southern wild yes thank you sorry it escaped me okay. i'm reading off a list and i didn't know i'm names impressed by all the details you're getting in no well you, well you know what yeah, the, the, the reality is, if 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 we're going to come on and we're going to do a forty minute discussion about Creative Live, I want to make sure that the people who are listening to this are leaving with uh, somewhere to go, something to click on, and something that they can get for free, so they can at least start uh, down what I think is a really interesting and incredible journey that you guys uh, are allowing filmmakers to take part in. So before we, I guess, depart for the day, do you have any last words for our audience? Anything that you want our audience to, I guess, take away with uh, about either Creative Live uh, or about the business of film? No, I I think um, Creative Live and the Film Channel is sort of, you know, not sort of, I don't want to qualify it. I think we're uh, redefining education in a sense and and i think it's about time i I, you know frankly you know whether it's on the internet or on the moon i think education needs an overhaul i think the way we give information the way we teach the way we communicate it's all a spectrum and i've always believed and i've always been fortunate that one can understand the, the the changes in our humanity vis-a-vis the changes in how we've made films. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I hope I'm not. So I really think we're at a point now that Creative Live and, and other forms of education should be looked at as, sort of, or at least 
one should keep their mind open to you know them as a launching point because it's funny a lot of the, the filmmakers I've loved you know as, as you know film school that term elicits a polarizing reaction um, so I think that coupled with the fact that school in general is now under the microscope in a new way uh, invigorates my work and I'm always asking myself the questions and the last thing nothing is set in stone <laughs> you know I'm always thinking about the best way to deliver education film education and sometimes it's the simplest route and right now maybe the simplest route is through one's computer who knows what's next but um, I'm excited for this opportunity here and I'm really humbled that you would uh, reciprocate and, and find equal interest in what we're doing and because my geeky friends love craft truck. They do. I, uh, right before I left New York, I emailed a lot of the crew I work with and said, hey, give me your top go-to website. And craft truck was at the top. So, oh, thanks, uh, man. That's, uh, that's it, really cool to hear. That's it's awesome. Really, it's really cool to have a dialogue. And, and thank you and thank your listeners as well. Awesome. Rob, uh, th- uh, thank you for the time. I will, um, As I mentioned before, I will put up a link to all those various things that uh, Rob has been uh, very gracious to uh, allow you guys to dig into. That will be a link at crafttruck.com forward slash BOF67. Uh, Rob, this is, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this collaboration between Craft Truck and Creative Live, and I think there's a lot more great stuff to come in the future. So uh, thanks, thanks again for your time, and uh, well, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. Be well. All right. Cheers. Bye.